the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black talking new focus on wealth. Big issues playing out in the court cases at this point in time between Apple and Epic. I wish it were made for TV drama. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm selling it a little bit short. Apple stock has a lot riding on it. Epic, not so much. They're going to be coming public. If they're able to win this battle, they're going to be able to come public at a higher level. Um, one of the things we're learning aggressively right now is how much money is being made. I don't want to say the word ridiculous because it's not really ridiculous, but a couple of years ago, this would have been a ridiculous number. Fortnite generated more than $5 billion in its first year for Epic Games. Since then, it's added another $4 billion. So the game brought in $9 billion in, Tepic, in total for Epic in 2018 and 2019. Calendar year shifts a little bit closer to us. company predicted it would have almost $3.6 billion in revenue for 2020. So you could start seeing that it's losing some punch, but not much. From $5 billion in its first year to uh, $3.6 billion this year. Um, in reality, they're fighting kind of a lot of sentences. Um, Tim Sweeney from Apple, uh, Tim Sweeney's, uh, from Epic basically said this year we could earn as much as 5.1 million. So in court, they're, they're crying a little like, oh, we're poor 3.6 billion. In reality, the financial disclosures are more like, oh, we did 5.1 billion on that. Uh, to give you an idea, Rocket League, which is a very popular game, made $108 million in revenue. $108 million versus $5.1 billion. Tells you that there's a lot to fight over this. Now, in the end, it does look like Apple is being a little bit of a monopolist. If developers want access to you, they can't really get it without paying a, a super high markup of which Apple's starting to win some of these battles on their own, so they don't necessarily need to hide behind that. Spotify, obviously, is is the easiest example to take a look at that Apple gets a big cut of their revenue. But five, ten years into the music wars, Apple's holding pretty well, and some people like the features of Apple, some people like the features of Spotify. Interesting to note, Apple and Spotify both said we're starting to go after podcasters who want to try to make money off their audience. Oh, well, this legal battle's going. What I want to get to is Apple's going to have to, from the legal briefs that I've seen, 
I'm not an attorney. Apple's going to have to come down on that 30% cut. It, if it's that important, they're going to get the regulators on a utility level. And it comes down to like the phone companies. When they had the phone lines into your home, our government said they need to share those phone lines at a reasonable price with other companies so that we can have competition so that one company doesn't set the price for all. Now, the good news for Apple is they got a car, they got augmented reality, they got virtual reality, they got some stuff coming down the road. The bad news is the profit margins in services of software, the App Store, um, are going to take a hit in the short term. They could invite more innovation, which will sell more hardware. Spotify probably sold some phones for either Apple or Google in the sense that people are like, wow, I no longer have to listen to this Walkman or this iPod. I can now put all this stuff on my phone and stream it with a phone service. So you kind of get where this is going. In my belief, it looks like Apple's going to lose a little bit on this one. Um, only because it's, it's got that public utility kind of feel to it that no one else could access it. And Apple's tied behind, well, we've kept everyone safe from viruses. At some point in time, sure, you did. Thank you. But you're, it's, it, you're getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and you're not really doing more and more and more. Maybe. Other stories out there of note include today, uh, but not limited to, uh, the stock market. This is a big year for what's playing out on Wall Street. A little bit of a transition from stay at home to opening up economy. With that out there, it's also a little bit of a transition from no inflation to what could be light to moderate. You never want it to be heavy inflation. You kind of want the Goldilocksian situation. And we're getting a lot of reports that it could be somewhere in between. Um, that's a big transition. On top of it, we're transitioning to a headwind of tax changes, a tailwind of stimulus. There's a lot going on in the markets this year. If it doesn't feel like it, you're missing it. So you're kind of dancing by the graveyard thinking, hey, there's no ghost or monsters. There's some ghost or monsters. Inflation is probably the biggest boogeyman out there for people like Chad Burton and myself. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about it. Um, the labor market is changing ever so slightly with minimum wage increase here, minimum wage increase there. Throughout the years, we are slowly been bumping it up, which is pretty interesting. That we have a federal minimum wage considering the differences between California, i.e. LA, San Francisco, and having a job in the federal government in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
So you can see that one size probably shouldn't fit all, but it kind of does. Uh, the vaccine story continues to marginally get better in wealthy countries, uh, tremendously getting worse in countries that are poor. Only 33% of workers on temporary layoff in March 2021 were looking for a job that's going to play out big this week with the Friday jobs report. It'll probably be the biggest data point of the month. Famous last words, right? A lot of labor challenges. I saw that Kentucky Fried Chicken is going out of their way to hire 20,000 employees this year. Not exactly the job that you may want, but that's showing you there's labor shortage for me this summer on July 4th. I'm like, woohoo! Red, white, and blue. Fourth of July, fireworks. Let's go get a bucket of chicken. I may be waiting an hour and a half to get my chicken if KFC isn't able to hire enough people. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Don't be shy with your questions. Um, thank you. I will put together some good ideas. One of the thoughts that I'm working on for the show later today will be on Roblox, who reports next week. It's a new company that I've been following for basically the last 9 to 15 months. More on that a little later in the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So soon you're going to start hearing imaging on this show change to Rob Black Show. I will have two different shows. One will be called Rob Black and Your Money from Monday through Fridays. It will be heavily geared towards news-driven and then there will be a more strategy-driven Rob Black show. That's what I'm going with. I know you're saying for months you searched for the right name. Yes. And there was a lot of good ideas. It's just they're all taken. They're all taken. So what is a man to do? But thanks for all your participation in it. I am still developing it. We were supposed to have a March 15, April 15 kind of launch. We'll get there by the end of summer is my thought at this point in time. And I'm embarrassed to say, yep, that's about as early. It's going to all pull together. But that's also the time where we're aiming for the pandemic to start wrapping up and where everyone feels a little bit more comfortable going out, getting filmed, using microphones, things along those lines. Um, it's a little bit of a effort to pull together 21st century technology when you're not actually in studios, television or radio. At this point in time. Anyhow and anyway, let's move forward, shall we? Roblox is a big story in my world. Their stock offers significant upside. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on this show. Not all stocks are suitable for all investors. When you take a look at Roblox, you're going to go, Rob, you've lost your freaking mind. It feels like this is the video game hour. That's the today's theme. Started with Fortnite. Now we're in Roblox. Roblox received a thumbs up from JP Morgan analyst Alexi Quadrani 
who began coverage of the new publicly traded company yesterday. Roblox isn't a typical video game product. The company's software, highly popular amongst tweens, is more of a sandbox that gives users and developers the tools to create 3D digital worlds. Now, start thinking about that, the sandbox that gives developers the tools to create 3D digital worlds. Sounds to me very similar to the iTunes store and the Google store that gives developers the area to create 3D worlds or video games or puzzle games and try to monetize them. So you can kind of see it's already a platform. Clearly, Rob Black likes platforms. Microsoft used to make a lot of money on its operating system, but on top of it, they made a lot of money on the Office products that went on into the application operating system. They tried to do the same thing with the browser, and the federal government said, no, 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 not so fast. Lockdown orders have issued by various governments around the world have brought Roblox platform a huge serve, uh, surge of active monthly users who are unique. You're gonna see and hear questions on how sustainable are they at their growth coming out of the pandemic versus when they went in and the pandemic certainly helped them. My belief is that the, once the platform is established, they'll be able to milk it for a long period of time. And that might be a, a disgusting analogy, milking a platform, but go with me on it, okay? Most of the company's users are under the age of 17 and spend about two and a half hours on the platform a day. Combination is gonna give advertisers ample access to hard to reach group. That's the rub. Right there, that's the sizzle. Drop the microphone. The users are under 17. They're considered tween, tweenagers. So 10 to 18. They've staged concerts that have attracted millions of people on Roblox. What do advertisers want? They want people spending money, right? I, I'm not as much of a big spender as I used to be. The stuff I spend on now are things like cars and mortgages and divorce attorneys. <laughs> oh, I kid. Um, but advertisers love the concept of they they don't know what to do anymore. They used to buy television spots on and be like, well, teenagers, they they probably watch Beverly Hills 90210. So let's buy some advertising on Beverly Hills 90210 and let's do zit cream there. Now they can do zit cream on Roblox. They know because you sign up and you put your name and your age and what city you live in. They kind of know the geography of where they're advertising to. They kind of know the, the data. On TV, on Beverly Hills 90210, they didn't realize that it's creepy 35-year-old Rob Black who's watching who doesn't need zit cream. But he kind of wants to bask in his youth and be a teenager forevermore which there was something wrong with that whole Brenda and Dylan and he had an apartment and he was a virgin and he was in high school and we're like, what? What? I didn't know anyone like that. Maybe I did. Um, but always the kids that had apartments in high school, you're always like, whoa, you're bad. 
That's cool. Let's have a party at your house. Anyhow, um, so they got the tween advertising, which is a big angle for them. Advertisers can display real-world items for sale. Roblox will have to build tools to send people outside the app to make the purchases or create landing pages within the app. They got Roblox dollars just as well. So they got that virtual currency, which they can get a piece of buying and selling, which if you listen to an earlier show from the week, I talked about a little funny money and how strip clubs make money by chart. It's, it doesn't matter, but they're, uh, they're, they're not taking care of their workers because they're circumventing how the old dollar bill. And they kind of want to make sure it's all counted. Some of the platform features that may drive long-term value for shareholders and not our immediate obvious virtual experiences. Uh, anything to do with augmented reality or virtual reality, they will have the platform ready for tweens, which for the record, from what I'm hearing, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not going into super father mode right here, but they say you shouldn't put headsets on kids for until they're like 13, 14, 15, let the brain develop as long as you can before you start confusing the brain with virtual realities. Um, so they're going to report numbers on Monday. And I see upside um, based on the platforming, the advertising, and the platform that is now ready to grow into the 21st century augmented reality. When, when Fortnite started doing marshmallow concerts and Travis Scott concerts in the game, Soon they're going to say, hey, $2.99, you want to do a Travis Scott concert? And they're creating a metaverse. And if you go read the book or see the movie Ready Player One, you'll kind of understand what a metaverse is. Um, a metaverse is coming. It may not finish and fully develop in my lifetime, but it'll finish and fully develop in my kid's lifetime. Where you have avatars and you have virtual homes. And you may pay more for a virtual home than you pay for a virtual apartment. And that virtual apartment may cost you more than a real apartment in the real world, depending on what your setups is. It's a way of expression. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Did I call myself Rob Black? I might have. I meant to say Rob Black. <laughs> I don't know my own name. These days tend to drag on. No. So keeping the theme, something along the lines of video games, Activision Blizzard raised its outlook and reported better than expected first quarter revenue and earnings after the bell on Tuesday. I... I I would be lying to you if I were to say that I can make that into a full-fledged. Let's talk about the video game. I talked about it yesterday and how it's been around for 18 years, roughly. The Call of Duty franchise for Activision Blizzard. And Activision Blizzard is also things like Diablo. They've got franchises. And I failed to really mention that yesterday. I kind of focused in, hyper-focused in on Call of Duty. I own shares of Activision. Um, the franchise level of it is kind of beautiful because it's 
very similar to the Star Wars level for me. My kids will want to have their kids play some sort of Fortnite reboot in 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years whenever they have children. They will be nostalgic about it because it's a large part of their childhood. Like Star Wars and Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back, best war movie ever. Who knows? I'm not going there. But it was a franchise that they've been able to milk. Now, unfortunately for Star Wars, it came out in the 70s and 80s where milking a franchise was a little bit tougher. There wasn't Disney Plus shows that you can go straight into. There were action figures from Hasbro or Mattel. That's how you milked the franchise back then. Then there was like tie-ins with McDonald's or Burger King. I see these franchises as billion-dollar movies. Every time Activision comes out with a Call of Duty, it pulls in a billion-plus dollars. Grand Theft Auto is such a big franchise. Grand Theft Auto 5 came out eight years ago. And the community is losing their mind. Because Take-Two has said, it's going to probably be... Take-Two is the developer who I I would own in a heartbeat for the long-term patient investor. Because they have a couple franchises. Grand Theft Auto 5, which is still a top seller eight years after it was released. And the Red Dead Redemption, the Red Dead Redemption, when in, when you're starting to wear augmented reality or head virtual reality headsets and you're driving around, riding around on a pony, and you're shooting up bad guys and you feel like you're the bad guy and you look at yourself and you you see that you've got cowboy boots on and they're either black or white depending on if you're a good guy or bad guy, right? Because black is always the bad guy, white is always the good guy. Franchises have that nostalgia in your head. To me, it's like Coca-Cola. Are there better soft drinks? Hell yes, there's better soft drinks. Are there healthier soft drinks? Yes, there's healthier soft drinks. But the nostalgia of having a glass bottle of Coca-Cola in the summer right out of the uh, cooler, I think we all kind of remember a moment in our life where we did that. Why do you think the beer commercials use nostalgia of here's to good friends? Nostalgia, right? So I do believe that Activision is got the most franchises that could pull in the most billion-dollar platforms on a regular basis. I'm not against Take-Two, but I see two or three franchises there. A very, very good one in Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, they're still making pretty good money eight years later. They're making... Kind of like year two or year three of money, what most game developers would want. Microsoft, for their part, have bought a lot of the developers so that they have franchises. Um, like a Halo. And I've never played Halo, but I imagine that I would want to play it with my kids. Like, I kind of want to do a first-person shooter with my kids. When they were able to do Call of Duty, I was like, yeah, let's do Fortnite. It's not quite as violent. Battlefront, there's there's all sorts of these out there that as an adult, you may go, that's kid stuff. But if I were to tell you as an adult, adult to adult, we're having a beer. Here's to good friends. Tonight is kind of special. Let's say your name is Vikas. Vikas, I go. And we're, we're one beer. I'm like, hey, I've got a friend who's making basically a movie. And it's going to pull in over a billion dollars. In its first week. 
And he goes, that's bigger than Avatar. How are you going to do that? Because wasn't Avatar in the theaters for like 23 weeks in a row? Yes. I remember when Raiders of the Lost Ark talked about another franchise, which they're making another video game on, which happens to be it. And they're making another TV show on now for Disney Plus, talking about franchises and milking franchises, right? And I'd save the cost. How about you pony up $10,000 and you could get a piece of the profits from my billion dollar movie? He goes, sure. If it's going to be bigger than Avatar, I'm like, yeah, it's called Grand Theft Auto 6. And he's like, oh, you fooled me. I'm like, no, no, no. Grand Theft Auto 6 is going to make five times what Avatar made costs. And it's going to make it over an eight year period. It's going to milk and milk and milk and milk. And people are going to be happily signing up for it. And then you get the power of that franchise. Now, again, going back to Activision Blizzard, I think they have some different franchises than, say, Electronic Arts does. And if you could only own one, I would have it be maybe, I'm going to say, Google Consultant Burger Advisor for taking action on any stocks I mentioned. Because you could own Microsoft, you could own Sony, you could own Activision Blizzard, you could own Take Two. Then you start running out electronic arts. Then you go, who's next? And after electronic arts, you're like, wow, you can go NVIDIA, you can go GameStop, but oh, no thank you. So some other Activision Blizzard franchises, Candy Crush, Diablo, Overwatch, Hearthstone, World of Warcraft, which you may remember the commercials from a few years back where it's a video game world and Mr. T's like punching some kid in the video game world. And you're like, oh, oh, I don't get it. Well, that's a franchise. <laughs> exactly, Mr. T. Uh, that's a, a franchise. And it was being advertised on ESPN because people were paying $9.99 a month to play the game. And $9.99 a month after six months is 60 bucks. After 12 months, it's 120 bucks. We think of video games as they used to cost 40 to 60 bucks. And that subscription model, aha, again, there's the sizzle. But the subscription model is also getting um, some other things thrown in as far as advertising revenues now. Um, exclusive features, loot boxes. But like when you go to Electronic Arts, they've got some pretty good franchises. Star Wars, but every time they do a Star Wars game, they have to pay Disney. They've got FIFA 21, soccer. But every time they publish a new FIFA soccer game, they have to pay FIFA money. Apex Legends, cute. Sims 4, Madden. Um, they've got a new one called It's Take Two. It Takes Two. It is a fun game where it's a co-op. That's their original intellectual property. Again, slightly important from a margin perspective. Uh, if you've ever played Plants vs. Zombies, that's Electronic Arts. Battlefield, that's Electronic Arts. Again, I'm not saying, they, to me, they're, they're, they're A-level games, but they're more A-minus, whereas Activision's more A-plus as far as franchise goes. Um, and then Take-Two is just this wild, wild play on Grand Theft Auto and being a horsey. Um, but Activision Blizzard also, when they reported their numbers, one of the things they talked about was mobile. And that goes back into Apple and Epic and Epic and Google. And 
what percentage of the revenue does Activision keep for mobile? And what percentage is given up to a company like an Apple? And down the road, Activision wants to make more complex games. Therefore, Apple needs to make more complex phones and sell new phones. It kind of is a relationship that should be beneficial to both. That interestingly, though, really isn't. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. I'm hitting it heavy on video games right now. I, that was not the intention. Um, but if I were to tell you, do you want to invest in a TV station? The one over in Oakland that does Fox, we could call that one. Or do you want to invest in a video game franchise? You'd probably go, eh, I'm thinking video game franchise. But you'd be like, but news and television, they've got the stars, Ted Danson. Night Court's coming back with John Larroquette. You'd be like, Will and Grace, right? I think it'd be a lot tougher for me to raise a million dollars to invest in a TV station than it would be to get you to invest $1 million in a video game developer. And that is where it makes sense to you. And as an investor, that's where it should click. And again, I'm not looking for private money. And if anyone in the financial world ever has you write a check to them, watch out. If you're working with a group like Fidelity Vanguard or you know, any big group like a Charles Schwab, you're not writing a check to them. You're writing a check to you and putting it in your account. Um, be very careful anytime anyone ever asks you to write a check and write their name on it. If it's in your interest, it's not. It was with their names on it. It's in their interests. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Always interesting. Gorilla's super band, super group, hit an identity until it wasn't. Um, do you remember back then? Could music? What MTV did to music was shocking because you used to have pretty unattractive bands. And then they started to have to make videos, and that turned into Spice Girls, where you didn't have to have good music. You just had to look good doing it. Uh... And it goes into things like The Cure. We're like, why is he wearing makeup? Is he just weird looking? Marilyn Manson, why is he wearing makeup? Is he just, oh, let's not even go with Marilyn Manson, right? He's got some legal issues going on for the foreseeable future about the way he dates. There's no comfortable way of saying that. Um, so I want to finish up a little bit on video games. And it does tie back into Apple. And it does tie in the whole idea that I want to get to is hardware versus software. And I want you to see the, the ecology of technology. When you understand the ecology, you can become a better investor. It, all businesses have some sort of ecology, right? Um, and inside this ecology, there's typically an 800-pound gorilla. It used to be a wind tell 
scenario that we, we talk about where on one hand, Bill Gates and Windows was an 800-pound gorilla. And the other side of the forest, Intel was the 800-pound gorilla. No matter what AMD and Cyrix and National Semiconductor tried to do, they weren't able to keep up with advertising spending on CPUs or research and development spending on CPUs. Intel just, they made so much money, they continued to be the king of the ecology. Windows needed Intel, Intel needed Windows. If Windows could come up with more complex software, people would buy more complex semiconductors. And if people came up with more complex semiconductors, Windows could sell more complex software. It was very much so hardware and software. In the world of technology, you could look at it as semiconductor companies. You could take a look at it as semiconductor manufacturing. Um, you could start breaking down the ecology into subset groups. Semiconductors can be broken down from CPUs to GPUs to DRAM. Then there's software as a service where you program software into a semiconductor. Um, if you take a look right now, Ford has a huge multi-billion dollar opportunity by getting into software. Whereas you think of them for years and years and years as being a hardware, they sell cars. The person who's leading this in cars right now is Elon Musk. For the first month, you get $9.99 a month free, a phone service, essentially, a data service to update your car. After that, you're gonna have to figure out how to hook it into the Wi-Fi. If you want music on the fly, good luck. So they're getting that $9.99 a month so that you get software as a service, not just the hardware of the car. Ford is going that direction of software updates, of software on the entertainment panel. Um, maybe they could sell you tickets. Many, many years ago, a technologist said, your car one day will be your credit card. You'll pull into the gas station and your car will have your bank account numbers in it and you'll drive off and you're done. I don't know if that's happening, but you're starting to see subscriptions are magical. And I think I really learned the power of subscriptions from AOL. AOL got so big that people were writing books about their rise and ultimately their fall down the road because of the software angle of subscriptions. Wall Street's in love with them. They got so big, they were able to acquire Time Warner of which Time Warner went out and basically fired a lot of the AOL brass. So who who acquired whom is the question. People still debate that to this day. But that recurring regular monthly business model, I mean, Disney's probably far happier on some levels knowing that you're paying $10 a month for Disney+. Plus. They know that they're going to get you $120 on content. During that content, they could sell you the theme parks. Or during that content, they could sell you other businesses. Um, again, recurring revenue model subscriptions are very, very attractive. So Call of Duty and Fortnite both have this, yeah, you pay for $9.99 essentially for three months. It could be two months. It could be four months of refreshes and game, gaming updates. And hanging out with your buddies and talking to them and seeing like who's the next big exciting character to come to call of duty 
Will it be a bald guy? Will it be a bald guy with an eye patch? Will it be a bald guy with a mohawk and eye patch? Will it be a guy with a scar or a mohawk and eye patch? But the subscription model is very, very powerful on Wall Street. And what you're seeing video games do well, it's being copied by automakers. And that too will be copied by other businesses down the road. The San Francisco 49ers, they want that recurring revenue. They want to know, can we send you a jersey every year? We'll give you 40% off, but we're going to get you for three years is the idea. If they can figure out a way to monetize it, they will. So always ask yourself, what business model is the company in? Is it selling hardware one and done? Is it software where Adobe used to make a lot of money with Adobe Illustrator and Adobe Audition? They would sell me a copy and they would charge me $400 for it. But then it was mine and I could use it for years and years and years to come. I still use Adobe Audition 1.5. It was awesome. It's still very, very functional, but they don't sell it anymore. Now they sell a subscription where if you don't have the subscription, you don't get to use the service. Subscription models are very, very profitable. Subscription models are more attractive to me than fashion models. <laughs> I'll shut up. Find me online at robblackshow.com.